And welcome to the podcast with purpose in this world. Welcome to my time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. And I'm your host, Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. Uh, I'm a person that was diagnosed with autism at age three. And as a person on the spectrum, I went to different challenges in my life, such as social communication, being nonverbal to age four, rejection, bullying, discrimination, and many challenges in life. But throughout my life, I've overcome those challenges to achieve key goals of graduating from college, be able to get full-time employment, be writing my own book, become a motivational speaker, being work on doing work on television, and more important today, an international ambassador for autism and many other causes. This is a podcast in which we'll talk about different topics, autism, mental health, and many others that impact our community and our world. And we're gonna have we're gonna have people as guests as, in which I can interview from around the world. So without further ado, welcome to my time with Tony Hernandez Umar. Yes, hi, and thank you all, and welcome to this new episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo, and I'm your host, Tony Hernandez Pumarejo, and today I have a very special interview with a very special person who I just connected to, you know, recently, but that we had, but that she and I had shared the same mission, which is the mission to help a community, which is the autism community. And so I have the honor and privilege of interviewing today Miss Tamika Lachey Morales. Uh, Tamika, uh, she's an you know, she born and raised, you know, made from Puerto Rico, but born in New York. So she's a New Yorkerican. Also, I'm Boricua, so I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. So we already have that connection. Uh, she, you know, she resides in the Chicago land area, you know, Chicago, Illinois, uh, and she has done different things for the community. Uh, not only the autism, but also the Hispanic uh, community. Uh, she's, you know, a dual um, dual language uh, second grade teacher. Uh, she's a book author of, you know, of her book, which I have it here, which is for the love of, uh, for autism. Uh, which we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this great great book in just a little bit. Uh, so can't wait to talk about that. And also, she's an entrepreneur. Uh, she has done great, you know, she's an actress. Uh, and she's a president, you know, founder and president of the Autism Hero Project, which is a nonprofit organization that serves the autism and, you know, special needs community. Uh, so without further ado, I would like to introduce to you all to Tamika Lachey Morales. Tamika, thank you so much for being here today in this episode of my podcast. Hola, thank you. Mucho gusto. Thank you for having me. I feel very honored, Tony, to be uh, your guest today on your show. My, the, the honor is mine. Uh, thank you so much for being uh, here uh, this episode today. And to, to make a, uh, for, all, for those people that are either watching or listening to this podcast, if you can talk, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, your story for, for our audience. Sure. So um, my background is uh, I'm a teacher, like you mentioned, but I'm also an actor and a writer. And I have a background in finance and marketing. Um, so, yeah, I always say, you know, why be one thing when you could be many? You don't have to be tied down to just one. Um, but my journey specifically into autism is what started uh, the Autism Hero Project for me. I like to say the genesis behind the Autism Hero Project is my own son who on June 4th, 2015 was diagnosed with autism. He was um, right before his fifth birthday. And if I'm going to be honest, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. so the first, uh, the first couple of years, I don't think, um, I didn't, I I had a lot of growing pains with autism. I was going through all of the stages of grief um, and I was too busy in my world to be present and really see the beauty uh, behind autism. And it wasn't until I got asked to write my story, I wrote a play called The New Year Weekend and I was invited to write for a book anthology called Today's Inspired Latina. It's Life Stories of Success in the Face of Adversity in Volume 3. And I had written my story for that. And I like to say that I had a God whisper. So after submitting my story for the deadline to the publisher, 
I had this God whisper that was like, Tamika, you've already written that story in the form of a play. And I had been sitting on my son's diagnosis for nearly two years without really telling hardly anyone. I had forbidden my husband to talk about it. I didn't tell my own mother and siblings and family. And so I decided to kind of write to heal is what I like to say. And writing that story began my healing journey. And that's where my real reflection started to come in and realize just the beauty and all the things that I love the most about my son had to do with his autistic traits. And that's the genesis behind the Autism Hero Project, to be honest with you. No, definitely. And your story is in connection with the, the stories of parents. Uh, when they receive that news that their loved one has been diagnosed with this thing called autism. Correct. You know, as you mentioned that you went through a period of grief, that you didn't want to talk about your son's uh, diagnosis with anybody. Um, and, you know, I read that a little bit in your book. And, and it's something that, you know, because for different reasons, you know, we, we you know, parents deal with the judgment of other people, even unfortunately people within their own family, uh, which are negative and doesn't help with mm -hmm. with what you know you need as a parent to help your loved ones to achieve that better life and and tell us up more about your son I know he has an interesting name yes uh, he does you can tell us a little bit about that about what okay. he likes about his hobbies uh, awesome tell us, tell us okay a so bit more. before I even do that I just wanted to kind of um share so when I um I like to say that in my very first story, so I've written for four books, um, two of my own and two anthologies. And um, make a long story short, in the very first time I wrote, it was when I was coming to age, I like to say, right? I was kind of coming out of the closet with this diagnosis. And I write in there that my ego was not my amigo. And I write how, you know, you don't know what you don't know. In Spanish, we have a saying, lo que pasa en la casa se queda en la casa, right? Mm -hmm. What happens at home stays at home. And we don't talk about these things. And a lot of it, a lot of the times is cultural. Mm -hmm. And so we have to kind of break those negative stigmas. And also the way that a doctor gives you this diagnosis and the way people around you perceive this diagnosis and how they react, really have an impact on you. And so that is one of the things that, you know, being on the other side of it now, right? And going yeah. through those stages and being at the stage of acceptance, I realized that, man, it, we, that's what we have to change. That's the world that we need to change. But to tell you about my little guy, so he was born Maximilian Eros Morales. And um, a few, quite a few years ago, I think he was in third grade and one day I, we were calling him and you know, the very Latino way, right? Maximilian, Maximilian, mm -hmm. and when he didn't respond, I started to use his whole name, right? Maximilian Eros Molares, like get over here. And he still wouldn't respond. So when I walked over, I'm like, yo, what's up? You've heard me calling you. And he's like, well, that's not my name anymore. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he was like, yeah, no, I am the legendary Maximilian or you can just call me the legendary kid. And we laughed about it, but I kind of looked at it as like him self-advocating for himself. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was like, you know, let's roll with this. And just kind of, I feed into this funny storyline that he was creating. And so I was like, well, you know, Maximilian, your name is long enough. And that's why we call you Maxim for short. So the legendary Maximilian is even longer. The legendary kid is just slightly shorter, but it's still too long. So we really need a nickname for you. And so we basically agreed on legend because it's shorter than Maximilian. It's shorter than the legendary kid. It's shorter than the legendary Maximilian. And now for years, Tony, um, his teachers, all of us in the family, his grandparents, my friends, we all call him legend. Um, and the name has stuck. And so he goes by legend now, self-proclaimed legend. He is a legend. You know, he has done so much to improve and overcome the challenges. And you mentioned something very quick in terms of the stigmas, which unfortunately still affects our, you know, the community, especially our Hispanic community in regards to autism and special needs. Uh, yes. and, and that brings consequences because, 
it brings uh, a late uh, diagnosis or late treatment, Absolutely. which is which you know can make the, a difference if it is taken care of at that early early stage. There has been improvements, but still, there's early intervention is yeah. the key, which is okay. how. Which I know I haven't spoke to yet, and I know you're going to get to that. But the Autism Hero Project, mm -hmm. our 501c nonprofit, is all about equipping children with the therapies that they need to be able to unleash their full potential and to be able to thrive and strive. You know, in a typical world and in a and atypical world right but we know that early intervention i am a school teacher i work in the school systems we know early intervention is really important and it's the game changer and so when i saw how therapy and specifically which i know can be controversial sometimes but i'm just going to be honest a, 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 my, this is my testimony so applied behavior analysis aba therapy was the absolute absolute game changer for us more than any other therapy and trust me tony when i tell you we had him in every therapy that you can think of food therapy because he did not eat mm -hmm. he only had four foods in his whole diet for years he had you know very heavy bags under his you know discoloration purple you know underneath his eyes very very skinny bones only ate carbs or candy or crackers things that crunched um, no fruits, no vegetables. So we had food therapy, we had speech therapy, we had occupational therapy, we had physical therapy, developmental therapy, equestrian therapy, ABA therapy. We had seven therapies and he's been in therapy since early intervention, since he was 18 months. ABA obviously didn't come till much later after we got the diagnosis, but we had already been in therapy since he was 18 months and now he was turning five and there was some progress, but not to the accolades that I would truly be honest and tell you that we got from ABA therapy. Yeah, and that's the key. You, you and your, your, your husband, you know, you were very proactive in getting all that treatment and therapy, which I talk about with other parents. You need to be proactive. Don't look at it and, and you know, sure, go through that grief, you know, Go through those stages. But while stages. I was grieving, I still yeah. put him in therapy right away. Yeah. Right. And the truth is he was already mm -hmm. in therapy from early intervention because he, he wasn't speaking at 18 months. There was no speech. He was horrible sleeper. I mean, he there was delays. He didn't even get, this is how much of a delay. Not only was he not much of an eater, but he didn't even get his first tooth until 4th of July week and his birthday is on the 19th of July. So he was almost one years old before he even got his first tooth. Oh. Let me remind that he was, you know, he crawled late. He walked even later. I mean, we, we had delays in everything. Heck, wow. But hey, the thing is, you But guys if you like, see him today, I yeah. mean. How old is he? How old is he right now? So he's 11 and oh. uh, he'll be 12 next month. Okay, okay. Almost, mm -hmm. almost going to that teenager uh, period. <laughs> I'm trying to freeze him. He's yeah. growing way too fast. Um, we, we're, we're really mm -hmm. enjoying him. We've been enjoying him for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, even with all of the, you know, quote unquote quirks, I mean, he's just a funny, loving, funny kid. I wouldn't, you know, I got to be honest, I wouldn't change him. Not, you know, I'm on the other side of it. And yes, it comes with a lot of challenges and it comes with a lot of work, a lot of perseverance, a lot of dedication, but the pros outweigh the cons at this stage right now, right? But that's why our work with the Autism Hero Project, as I started to mention, we buy medical insurance, we pay medical insurance premiums so that children can get access to these therapies um, so that they can get early intervention. But we don't only cover, you know, small children, we cover all ages. And on top of that, we're also, you know, our whole vision is preparing kids with autism for the world, but preparing the world for them. Because we know that they have as much to teach us as we have to teach them. He has been my best teacher and I've learned more from him than anything I could ever teach him. And so it's been amazing just how much, more than awareness, just how much he's changed me to be the best version of myself um, that he's worth changing the world for. And that's what we fight for every day is to change the world. And I know that we're stronger together 
And so our vision is, you know, helping people see that and then having them join. You know, I always say, we do much more than raise awareness about autism. To me, that's not enough. So you might know some data, so you might know some statistics, maybe you will even recognize some autistic behaviors, those generalizations that people talk about, right? Mm -hmm. But if it does not convict you at the heart to be an agent of change, an agent of inclusion, then our work has not been enough. Yeah, and it's part of the process, it's part of the work. You have, we had to put in the work. And we I have to put in the work. And I love what your organization does because, you know, one of the most common challenges the families face is in terms of getting access to therapies for their children. You know, the biggest yes. challenge, I think, I, I think you can agree, is insurance. Be able it's, to. It's, is, well, it's diagno late diagnosis, right? Because they don't have access to getting diagnosed. Um, and mm -hmm. yes, it's access to insurance. So, right, like for example, right now, you know, I live in the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. Illinois, our Medicaid program, unfortunately, sucks here. And um, it does not give families the access that they need specifically to autism therapies like ABA therapy. And they're, the fact that families, you know, if the doctors and the medical professionals are saying that this is the number one therapy that's recommended, and yet you don't have access to this therapy because you're on Medicaid, never should a financial barrier be, you know, a deterrent for giving a family access. And so we pride ourselves on being that financial bridge to be able to help families gain access. We don't care about your financial status. We don't care that you're on Medicaid. We cover everybody who is uninsured or underinsured, meaning that maybe they have medical insurance like Medicaid or like an employer-sponsored medical insurance plan. But unfortunately, some employer-sponsored medical insurance that are employer-insured still don't give families access to the therapies so we are that financial bridge for them definitely and it's also part of my the work that i do in the community i receive calls from families in which they have you know their health care plans some of them even even the military don't cover aba therapy so it is something that you know in my person and from my you know i don't make specific recommendation of a therapy or not we're going to get into the debate about aba therapy as part of my next question Okay. Uh, but uh, but in terms of, you know, we need to get access because it is part of a, I, what I call social responsibility. Reason Absolutely. for this because we need to help the families with special needs children, and to get all the tools or resources to achieve that qu better quality of life, and which is the key. And you so, mentioned a lot a lot of things that, and I'm very and I'm very grateful that organizations like your organization, like the Autism Hero Project. Are being are leading the effort in this right and so and i'm also going to say i know um people have stigmas around words especially in our communities yeah um there's a huge you know divide and huge stigma yes. but but one thing that mm -hmm. you know when you know better you do better so i have been intentional about trying specifically to use the word disabilities um, and I know that, you know, again, just like autism has a taboo behind it, so does the word disability. But we have laws that protect people with disabilities. We don't have laws that protect people with special needs. Exactly. So I don't use the word special needs. And I'm very straight up and say disabilities um, because that's what autism falls under. And so there are protection for people with disabilities. And, and you and you hit the point because now my question is, you know, our community, we have to say it, is very divided. It's very, unfortunately. Very divided. Unfortunately, you have parents against adults, adults, you know, criticizing other autistic, you know, other adults Ad on the spectrum. Right. Adults, actually it, autistics. Yeah. And even the, the for me, that there's stupid debates with all due respect about autistic going with first person or this is an organization here that doesn't do this. See, you're and, allowed to say that because you're autistic. And yeah. I agree that we are wasting yeah. our energy mm -hmm. on whether you want to be called autistic or a person with autism, whether mm -hmm. you, I will respect whatever you want to be called with. Same but here. when some parent goes onto a social media community, right, into this community to ask 
a very specific question about how can I please help my child? You know, he is um, eloping, he's self-harming, he's 10 and he's not completely potty trained, he's smearing on the walls, his, you know, his feces, and they're going in, or they have social issues, and they're going in and say, hey, please, I'm coming to this actually autistic group and I'm asking you since you are the experts, the autistics, right? And I'm asking you, how can I help my child? And instead of you addressing my question and you wanna jump on these moms, right? Cause it's mostly moms, right? And you wanna call them a martyr mom and you wanna go after them and say, you're not allowed to be in this group cause you didn't say first person versus actually autistic and you didn't use the right terminology or you um, like, no, you are forbidden to say ABA therapy in this group, even though you have a legitimate question or concern, right? To me, that is energy that is wasted instead of helping the person who is coming to you, grieving, looking for assistance, looking for a resource, and coming to you who's supposed to be the expert, and you want to detour, detour the whole conversation about something when this parent is in crisis. Exactly. And it is absolutely just, listen, correct. If you want to say, please refer to them this way, then say that. But please answer their question. Don't go on to say, you know, you're not allowed to say Asperger's. You're not allowed to say, like, there's so much. Listen, it takes away from the need. And we are truly stronger together. Imagine if you would take that same energy, this beehive mentality of these multi-thousands of people, right, who have now convinced certain parents and other people in the community that they have to fight for them, which I agree, we have to fight for them. But what are we fighting for? Yeah. We should be fighting for access. We should be fighting for resources. We should be fighting for early detection and diagnosis. We should be fighting for homeless. We should be fighting for all of the things that our community needs and not on which symbol to use and not to use, which color to use and which organizations to boycott. I don't have time for that. I'm here to try to change the world and we can work together to do that. Well said, you know, I was diagnosed at age three myself when it was it was born in 90 at age three when it was just autism back then there was not a lot of information in the early 90s and there wasn't a spectrum a, back a, then a, back then then it got changed to asperger's nonverbal i was nonverbal to age four then i took therapies i took behavior mm -hmm. i took speech i took occupational um and i my diet i was reevaluated for for asperger's and asperger's is my diagnosis but I don't let that define me because I need to, the focus here is, you know, autism, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes which bothers me and I'm kind of responsible for that is that sometimes we focus on the success, the, the, the superheroes and all that, but there's, there's dark sides, there's dark stories of autism, which of need course to be talked about, is. especially in, you know, the spectrum is so wide, you uh, know, not everything is the good doctor. Yeah. <laughs> For me, uh, for me, I, I have days in which I love autism and days that I hate it and I don't want to have it. And I, I even heard this from adults themselves. And, Absolutely. And because my more concern, okay, quality of life, I'm concerned about the adult who is homeless right now or lost their parents or family abandoned him or her. And that's what I'm truly concerned. Who self-harms, who can't find a job because there's no employment coaching or mm -hmm. services for them, who can't financially afford to take care of themselves, who, because they need the Medicaid, because they need the insurance, they take the low-paying wage jobs. They are, you know, 85% of autistics are unemployed or underemployed, the highest of all the disability groups under the umbrella of disability. That's what we should be fighting for. That's what we should be coming together for. We all want the same things. You know, the, the end goal is the same. How we get there may be different, but if I'm wasting my time fighting with you about terminology, symbols, when instead we can come together, agree to disagree, or I, I'm, I'm gonna respect you. I will call you what you want. I will use whatever symbol you feel represents you, but not if you're gonna try to bully us. Not if you're going to call us names, not if you're going to cyber bully, threaten people, go after their 
you know, organizations. I, I'm not about that. I'm not here for that. I'm here to create a better world that is going to be accepting of my son and to change the world so that he has access that, God forbid, my biggest fear, when I am no longer here, who's going to be able to take care for him if he can't do it for himself? Definitely, race, you know, to advocate, to be advocate. able to make the difference. Also, another thing that I focus on my advocacy work is not only to raise awareness about the challenges that people with a diagnosis face, but also the parents. A lot of times, uh, people don't realize that autism impacts not only the person with a diagnosis, but also the parents, the siblings, everybody, and they need support as well. And that's what I've been advocating as, you know, to my best of my ability. We need to, there you go. That's what this book was about. Yeah. This book and I was, I was going to ask you about the book right now because, you know, I love the title for the love, you know, for the love of autism and what interests me the most, you know, it, I want to talk about a little bit about how I, I found out about the book. Okay. Um, when I, um, I, I saw in the book different advocates on the spectrum, like Dr. Temple Grandin, Dr. Curry Magro, Eileen Lamp. That caught my attention. Okay, what, what is this book about? For the, uh, because I know different autism books. Then I found you, and then we made that connection. And it's like, you know, even though we made a connection recently, it's, it's you know, it feels like we have known each other for 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 years because we have the same the same mission. So, you know, tell us more about your book for our audience. What is you know what is it read about? So, um, it truly is. There's there's anthologies that are out there. Um, the truth is when I came up with this idea, it was one of the first anthologies in mine, but the pandemic hit. And so we put the project on pause, not only because of the pandemic, but if I'm gonna be completely transparent, uh, Tony, I went into Actually Autistics social media group because I'm smart enough to know as an advocate, right? If they can't come to you, you go to them. And I knew that I wanted this book to be a compilation of stories, a stories from actual autistics, from parents, from siblings, from, you know, everybody, everybody who's touched with autism has a story and we're all impacted in various ways. And so when I went into that community, I immediately got complete resistance against the book. So I got everything from, you're not qualified to tell that story if you're not autistic. So I had to reiterate, this is an interest form because it's bringing the community together. It's all of our voices in one compilation, right? The second thing was, well, is it gonna have the correct terminology? And wait, you run an organization that that offers therapy, you know, buys insurance for therapies and they want to know the list of their, well, we don't believe in speech therapy. We don't believe in ABA therapy. We don't believe in therapies, right? And there was so much resistance and fight that I was like, listen, this is an interest form for whoever would be interested in sharing their story. That's what I wanted. I wanted a compilation, the first of its kind, where actual autistics, influencers, parents, siblings, everybody would come together in one book to share how autism has uh, you know, has touched their heart and has transformed their heart and soul and their minds and their mentality. And as I said, when I wrote my very first story, I when I wrote it and when I got invited to write for it, I was in a different place because I was just, I had just recently been diagnosed, my son, and there was so much I didn't know that I had to come through that learning curve as well as I'm trying to learn as much as I can about autism. At the same time, I have all of these therapies. I have all the stuff that's being thrown at me with no resources, no assistance. I'm trying to navigate this world all on my own. Um, and you don't know what you don't know. But I saw the beauty and that's, I always say there's a lot of doom and gloom in this community. And that's what I wanted to break. I wanted to break the negative stigmas. I want to transform people's hearts and minds in a way where they talk about autism differently. Whether you're a medical provider, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a parent, whether you're a sibling, whether you're autistic. I want us to be intentional about the way we speak about autism. And so 
the caveat that I said is I want you to be honest and raw about your journey, right? But you need to leave our readers with hope and let them see the beauty of how autism has transformed you. And so it's not just their stories, as you know, Tony, because I know you read the whole book already, but every story by every, um, every author also has a love letter. And if they're autistic, sometimes their love letter is to autism. Sometimes their love letter was to the world. Sometimes their love letter was to their child or their sibling. And it's, it's so beautiful to see that they're willing to get vulnerable and put their heart and soul on the line in hopes that you get a glimpse of what life can be like and know that please be present and be in the moment and see the beauty. Look at that glass is half full. Even in those hard times, there there's something there. And so there's a lot of encouragement, um, which I think is what our community needs. Now, it doesn't lack honesty. As you know, it didn't lack the rawness. It didn't lack the honesty. You know, a lot of the contributors have nonverbal kids, have adult kids. Some of them are adults who are autistic. So it, the, the book really is a spectrum of stories, just like autism is a spectrum. Um, so, yeah. That's that's what the book is about, and I'm really excited because it's gotten a lot of great feedback. It's only been out a little. It's only been out six weeks. It hasn't wow. been out for very long. Um, yeah. So. I know, yeah, I know the feedback has been tremendous. I think that, you know, I think this is one of the best books that captures the entire community, the autistic adults, the parents, professionals. I think this is you know, as I said, I read this like just like that because it. It got it caught me, you know. I was very, you know, involved in the stories, and I can relate to the different stories that I read. So I, you know, and where they can get the book, uh, Tamika? Where do they they where where are people so can find the book? I'm excited. They can order it right on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. It's available uh, BarnesandNobles.com as well. It's available in an ebook um, if they prefer Kindle or some kind of ebook device, and. Uh, next month, I will be recording. I will be going into the studio to record the audiobook. Oh, nice. And you know what else you need to do, in my opinion? Yes, tell me. Diga. The, the Spanish version of the book. You know, it's funny. I got <laughs> asked, would I be doing this book in Spanish? And um, so I think our Spanish community really, really needs it. But. Speaking of legend, hold on, Maxim. Um, but here's the problem. I'm going to be honest with you. We, they, the publishing company, they ran some data, mm -hmm. and believe it or not, Latinos. I don't know what it is about our community, but they don't go out and, you know, there's those exceptions, right? There's always the exception to the rule, including myself. But they don't go out and buy books. Yeah. Well, in my case. Uh... You know, kind of funny, kind of interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, you know that I released my own book a couple of years ago. About my yeah, life and you, the, re you released it in English and in Spanish. In, in Spanish. And I have had the most success in Spanish than in so the English. So do you think, though, it's because I follow you, Tony. So yeah. do you think it's because most of what you do, Tony, is to Spanish audiences? So because it is, that is who you cater to. So that's how they yeah. know about it. Right. But but I'm but I'm changing that because I'm fully bilingual. So my works are both now. I'm getting more. But our, but our Latino community really needs you because they need your voice. Because there's not enough people like you and I who are bilingual who are out there being front and center, yeah. advocating and trying to change the world and the mindsets. So we still need you. And um, <laughs> thank you. After after I do the audio. Maybe maybe I will reconsider doing the Spanish. I mean, I want to. I just got to know that there's enough interest. Um, and in the six weeks, you know, it's only been out six weeks, right? So I haven't um, I haven't been approached by that many people requesting it in Spanish. Um, and so we have to make sure that financially it makes sense because these books don't make themselves and they really do cost money, money out of my pocket. It, it's a financial obligation. The audiobook is a huge financial obligation, but the audiobook industry is 60% of the industry. So that makes financial sense. Definitely. Well, Tamika, your story, what you have done, you know, beyond the autism community, the Hispanic community, 
God bless you. Know, God bless you. Thank you. Um, you know, you have done so much. So, you know, I want you to, before we conclude our interview, I want yes. you to see if you have you know, any words that you want to say, any message as a, you know, as a parent, as an entrepreneur, as a leader. Uh, you know, what are our because you know, there, you know that there's families that are listening to this podcast. There are autistic adults that are listening to this podcast. There's a community, a society out here there that is listening to this podcast. What would be your message? What would you want to let the society know about what we have to do to help not only the person with autism, but their families achieve a better quality of life? So I think everyone has a role to play. I think that it is all of our human collective that needs to come together for this community and change the face of this community in the sense of any way, but it has to be done intentionally. I wrote a bit book called Inclusion, and this was a coffee book, and it came out literally just a couple months right before For the Love of Autism came out. But, you know, it, it kind of immerses you really quickly into why there is such a need for us to think differently and create that world that needs to change anywhere from employment. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, I know I gave you some data, but I'm going to give you, and I, I have it here because like I said, there is, um, I've got some hardcore data that I think it's really interesting to see, but people with disabilities are the largest minority, but unlike race, ethnicity, or gender, it's not acknowledged as a human rights issue. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics in 2020, 17.9% of individuals with disabilities were employed. 17.9%. That is it. And of that, they were majority not autistic. Hold on one second. Legends, I need you to go upstairs. You're making way too much noise. Sorry about that. Um, now, how does that compare to, you know, those without disabilities? 62% of people without disabilities were employed compared to 17.9% of people with disabilities. Now, when you think about specifically, how does that affect autism? Well, in that 17.9%, only 15% of 17.9% were autistic. Mm -hmm. When you have a diagnosis rate, a prevalence that we have right now of one in 44 children being diagnosed with autism, which means that of every 26 boys born, one will have autism compared to girls at 127 or whatever that exact number is, right? We have to do something. These autistic children will become autistic adults and our autistic adults are already feeling invisible. They don't have access. Well, it's only gonna get worse if we don't start creating those changes now. These are our children, these are our siblings, these are our cousins, these are our future, they are the future. And what is our future going to look like if we're not accommodating for them? So it doesn't take much to be able to accommodate for someone in the workplace to hire them. For example, give them a visual, almost like a storyboard of step one, this is your job. Step one, step two, step three, step four. We know autistics are extremely visual. If they have a visual you know, step component of a social story right in front of wherever their workplace is, right? If they if instead of going on an interview knowing that socially right they might come across awkward don't have an interview in the normal typical interview fashion instead have a coach on staff say can you do this show them the job and give them the opportunity to do the job give them you know meet them where they're at if you know that a lot of people with disabilities you know don't do well socially there's a whole bunch of remote jobs right that you can get them to do. But some of them are extremely social and there's so many jobs that you can put them in. It's just a matter of meeting them with their, where they're at. And you know, if you let me, sure. I'm gonna read a, a, an excerpt that I wrote for um, Hispanic Stars writing, Rising, The New Face of Power. It's only 500 words, but I think it speaks really well to not only my story, but it really, it's about being intentional and how we can all come together. And so, see, me permita, if you permit me to. Sure, no The story is called Heroes Wanted. And um, it starts out with I'd take a bullet for you. 
You'd only dare to vocalize such a cliché if you loved someone so much that you would literally sacrifice life and limb to save what you love and hold so dear. Anything less just wouldn't suffice. When my legend was born, he entered this world blue with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck, hanging on to life and fighting to stay alive. This wouldn't be the first fight that we faced together. Nearly five years later, a doctor would utter three words that would change the trajectory of our lives forever. Autism spectrum disorder. See, I'm used to fighting. I fought my whole life to be where I am today. I was the first in my, fa in my household to graduate high school, then graduate college with honors and already have a four-year-old son and still go on to earn my master's degree with a perfect 4.0 GPA. By the age of 33, I owned a few homes, cars, and my own franchise business while working as a full-time school teacher. And if that wasn't enough, I pivoted my spare time dream of acting into more of a full-time passion. And then I added playwriting into the mix. I had this undeniable grit and a tenacity for taking risks, which I credit completely to being raised in a two-bedroom apartment in the projects of New York with 10 other relatives who were not my mom or dad. I learned how to trust my instincts and survive everything that came my way, but quote, autism was different. It literally knocked the wind out of my stride. I felt paralyzed. For two years, I was completely lost. Then, I'd like to say that I had an awakening. Writing helped me heal and reflect, and that was the genesis of the Autism Hero Project, a 501c3 nonprofit that serves to prepare kids with autism for the world and prepare the world for them. I realized that autism awareness wasn't enough if it did not make you intentional about being an agent of change. With a prevalence of one in 44 children in the US being diagnosed with autism, it is our collective duty to intentionally make space and be inclusive of those with neurodivergent brains and to help the world understand that neurodiversity should not be looked at as quote, less flawed or damaged goods. This negative stigma is what prevents us from seeing these beautiful humans as our equals and all that they have to teach us. Inclusion takes work and commitment. It is not a one-time prescription where you hold a training or a lunch and learn, or maybe even hire that one employee and think that you can just now check it off your list. It must be embedded in the culture. Inclusion needs to be thought about from the beginning in every business system and process. Inclusion is not bringing people into what already exists. Inclusion is making a new space a better space for everyone. And this only comes with being intentional about hiring and retaining people with disabilities. You will have a little, you will have to be a little creative and put some work into it. But as Hispanics, this is already ingrained in us. I am determined to make a world that is inclusive of my son and those like him. But for that, I need you. Wow, that's your testimony is, you know, is you know, it has, it has such a profound impact, and and that's what keeps you motivated. That's what keeps you going. And that's always, my why. You know, each person has a purpose. I always say, you know, that's what I believe. Each person has a purpose, and especially people that have autism and have a disability, have a purpose. We have to work together as a world to help each individual achieve their purpose that God gave them. Um, your testimony and is, you know, it impact me, uh, Tamika, and I greatly appreciate, I'm honored uh, for you to uh, share your testimony, the outstanding work that you're doing. Um, you know, when the work that, that our audience can find your, you know, find you on social media, do you have a website, which can learn more about your work, the Autism Hero Project, can you tell us where they can find you? Sure. 
So the Autism Hero Project is, uh, we have a website, autismheroproject.org. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of things. We wrote laws that have passed here in the state of Illinois, making the first week of April Autism Acceptance Week, encouraging school districts and businesses to put on inclusive events and teach about inclusion, because um, we know that it starts at the early age. And so we want children, neurotypical children, right, to be able to understand our atypical children. Um, on top of that, we have a certification program where we certified the first restaurant here in the Chicagoland area as autistically sensory friendly. Um, we did a whole campaign of, on how to make the restaurant. It's a Brazilian restaurant. It's an nice. awesome Brazil Express Grill. They're awesome and they've been a, such a great community partner. We, um, we do a lot of great things. I would say Facebook is probably the biggest social media where we post so much followed by Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, we recently started a TikTok because we know that's where it's at, but we don't have much on there yet. We're looking to improve that. Um, and then I have my personal website. It's tamikamorales.com. Um, and people can hook up with me on LinkedIn, on Instagram. You can find me under the underscore New Yorican underscore Tamika on Instagram. And that's um, N-U-Y-O-R-I-C-A-N. Uh, and you can find me on social media. I'm on I'm on all the social medias except Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in Snapchat either, but I will definitely. I can't you'll... handle another social media. So <laughs> yeah, I don't want more social media, but that's just me. But I yeah. will definitely I will definitely put all, all the information uh, in the description of this episode so people can find you, learn more about your work, especially families that have loved ones on the spectrum. And also, again, the book is called For the Love of Autism. Tony, we got to tell them about this big event we got coming yeah, up that you're going to be a part of. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Uh, okay. You know, I'm going to leave you, you know, tell us, Tamika, before we go, what is coming up? What is the event that's coming up? Which I think I'm, you, I think I heard somebody said that I'm going to be involved with. Is that true? Of course it's true. We have to have you involved. So I'm excited to say that the Autism Hero Project, we are going to Florida. Um, I'm excited about that. You know, as an organization, we're looking to expand, but also for the love of autism, you know, I have family, a lot of family and friends and book sisters, I like to say, who live in the Florida area, who all want to be a part of the great work that we're doing in the autism community. And so we're going to be on Friday, June 24th, 2022, because I know this podcast is going to live on past that date. Um, hmm. But we're going to be in Fort Lauderdale doing two things. One is introducing the Autism Hero Project to the Florida community, but also we're gonna be launching For the Love of Autism there. And obviously me as the author, the main author, and um, my husband who contributed a chapter, you know, there's not enough male stories in the autism community. This is what I love about you, Tony, so much, is that you are that male voice and we have a lot, we hear a lot, a lot of mothers, right? We hear about so many mothers in this organization, in this community, autism community, but not too often do we hear the father's voice. And so this book has a lot of father voices in it, um, as well as male autistics. And so my husband will be speaking that day about his journey and about even his journey into writing his story, um, <laughs> which took a lot of work. Um, I'll let him tell you because he's really funny about the way he tells you. And just really, we both, when we got the diagnosis, we both took it complete polar opposites in different ways. And it's so, and it's not the first time I hear that, but I mean, we're just so different as human beings, the way we were raised. We're both Puerto Rican. He was born on the island, pero, but um, it's funny. We just, we just come and approach things so differently. So he has his story, I have my story, the way we look at autism. And then, you know, I'm all about inclusion and I'm like, well, I need a self-advocate in Florida. Um, most of the authors, none of them are actually in Florida. Um, so you and I had connected and I'm all about, you know, having an actual autistic share their story. We were gonna actually have some of the authors fly in, but then I was like, oh my God, you're right there, Tony. You can speak brilliantly. And so you're going to be there. You're going to sell your books and you're going to share your testimony. 
and um, we're going to have a fantastic time. It's a free networking autism community, but also there's going to be some great people. Um, free food, free appetizers, free drinks, free connections. Um, we're going to bring the book and we're going to have book signings. And uh, it's a way to really connect with our community and share our testimonies and share our stories and really amplify our voices and amplify, you know, and encourage and leave hope before people walk out the door. Definitely. And I, and I really appreciate the invitation and I'm looking forward to, you know, to put a, you know, contribute a little bit about my story to the cause for the love of autism, which is the most important to, and I cannot wait to share with you and your husband, you know, Hugo and our people that are going to attend that event. So it's going to be on June the 24th, 2022. It's going to be June the 24th. There's a, we have capacity of a hundred people. It's at the towers of Fort Lauderdale. Um, I'm sure you're going to link the Eventbrite, yes. right? Uh, the yeah, Eventbrite. Yes, yeah, the, uh, the people. You know, I'm going to put it on the description. Uh, you know, with all, and also they can you know follow your social media and follow my social media. We're going to be talking about Correct. the event, so that way, you know, if you're in the South Florida area, which I know I have people that follow me and, and friends of mine there in South Florida, uh, please come in and be able to participate in this wonderful event. So cannot wait. Yep. To participate so tamika uh greatly appreciate you and thank you. thank you thank you so much for what you do for the autistic community for the hispanic community for the entire world so keep making that difference out there in the world so thank you so much gracias thank you so much for having me tony i really appreciate this and yeah you're great i can't wait to hang out with you and and get to know you even better we're going to be doing some so much more together. I know it. Maybe we'll do a volume two in Spanish, and and that and you'll be in that. Well, hopefully, yeah. Let's, let's if it is God's will, then there we go. So yes. thank you so much, and and again, thank you so much, everybody, to uh, listening to this episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. And this is it for another episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. I hope you like it. Uh, so if you want to learn a little bit more information in terms of the work that I do, um, please uh, subscribe to my social media, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube under my, my name, Tony Hernandez, Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. You can also follow my website, www.tonyhernandezpumarejo.com. And if you're interested in getting a copy of my book, An Autism of Scripted Life, uh, you can purchase it from Amazon and, or any other platform, including my own, you know, my, my website. So I hope you liked this episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. And until next time we, we meet, thank you. And have a wonderful day. Blessings. <music>